Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 12th of August 2012, entitled Indispensables, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. It's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You want to take your Bibles as we read in honor of the reading of God's Holy Word, a very familiar passage. No deep, mysterious thoughts for you tonight. Hopefully some reminders, some things that will be both an encouragement and a challenge to us. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Word of God says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Simple thought this evening, as we look at this familiar passage, and just really thinking on the word indispensables. What does it mean for something to be indispensable? Well, in simple language, it just means you can't do without it. And I guess if we had to make one of those things that we just could not dispense with, that we could not do away with in our life, that are just absolutely necessary, I mean, most of us would probably have varying lists. I was thinking as I thought of that, I said, if I was making out my wife's list, I know what would go at the top of the list. It'd be that morning cup of tea. It wouldn't matter if the house was on fire and the place was burning down around us. She'd say, I've got to have my cup of tea first because her day just does not begin until she gets that indispensable cup of tea to start her day with. But on a more serious note, as we think of things in, in, in life, there are some things that are indispensable that we would consider to be so important that we just couldn't do without them. Now, you know, I guess that one thing that certainly would be on an indispensable list would be, uh, would be food. Um, it probably could do to be dispensed with for some of us for a while, uh, for a little bit anyway, but not forever, not for long. You can only go so long, your body's got to have that food. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, that if you don't get that, that, that food and at least the, the liquid, the water into your body, then you're not going to last but so long. Those things are indispensable. Of course, the truth is, is that when we talk about things being indispensable, 
most of the things that we consider to be so very, very, very important that we just couldn't live without, we could very easily live without. Uh, I guess that, you know, again, uh, I don't want to harp back on it again, but I guess one of the things that, that God really, really touched your pastor's heart uh, in that area uh, was when we had the privilege just uh, not too many weeks back to make the mission trip to Kenya. Uh, and you really genuinely see uh, these people that they have so little when it comes to this, to this world's goods and this world's things, and yet they have so much peace and so much joy. They're, they're, you know, for the most part, they seem to be happier than most of us are. Uh, a people that, that love God, a people that have a real desire uh, to, uh, to serve God. And I couldn't help but think, you know, if most people that I know on either side of the Atlantic if they had an opportunity to come and to see what these people are living with, the joy in their hearts of having Christ, of knowing Jesus Christ, even though that many of them may not know where their next meal is coming from, even though that the things in life would be so simple in comparison, to have such a peace, to have such a joy. I said, boy, if most people I know could see that as I certainly need to see it, I think there'd be a whole lot less complaining uh, there'll be a whole lot less things that we're thinking about. Oh, man, how could I do without this and how could I do without that? Because most things in life that we consider to be so important to our survival, to our well-being, to our happiness, whatever you want to put on the list, most of them don't even come close. Simple truth is, is that there are some things, though, that are truly indispensable and the truth is, is there are some things in life that they are so indispensable that if they were to be ignored, it would be the most foolish and short-sighted thing that anybody could possibly do. According to our reading, as we have read here in the Gospel of John chapter 1, I believe that even just in looking at this passage that we could make a statement that every one of us as Christians has surely already come to realize. And that is the simple fact is that there is one true indispensable in all the world that is more indispensable than anything else that we could lift, whether it's the, the food on our table or the water that we drink, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, we look at this passage, and it tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That's a pretty awesome thought when you try to get your head just around that. That God that, that, that always has been and always was and always is. And of course, in verse th 3, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I mean, nothing would exist. He, Jesus Christ, He was there. We know that it was Him. We know that it was him. You know, have you, ever, have you ever been in a totally dark place? Most of us really haven't, uh, not too many times in our lives because uh, it's hard to get away from the light. Uh, as a matter of fact, that was one of the things that my wife just mentioned the other night is that, you know, again, one of the things that she saw that was so awesome when we were in Africa was just simply God's creation of the sky. Uh, you know, to get out there away from all the street lights and all that man has, has down here that interrupts it and just to see it in its clarity, it's an awesome thing to see. The simple truth is, is that most of us have got so many things around us that are 
shedding its light. But if you ever get in truly, truly, true darkness, uh, you know, one of those darknesses where you can hold your hand right there in front of your face and you cannot see it. I think the only times I've ever been in places that dark has been down underneath the earth, probably uh, down in a cavern or a tavern or something like that. And I've been in some of those places where that, uh, you know, you're there and they suddenly turn the lights out on you and it's just, man, I've never seen black like this before. But the amazing thing is in all of that vast darkness, all you have to do is put on one light and it's not dark any longer. And, you know, that's the amazing thing. This this one that was, that was in the beginning, he doesn't have to prove that God was there, just like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. He was there. Here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were created by him. Then notice, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Literally, we find that Jesus came. He was, and he still is, life. And he was the light of men because without Jesus Christ, we are in darkness. Darkness like in the spiritual sense that you can find few places in the physical realm. Without the light of Jesus Christ, without that light that shines into man's hearts, man is in total and complete darkness. But that light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Literally, it couldn't apprehend it. It couldn't lay hold on it. It couldn't do anything about it. When you put the light on in the darkness, there's no way that the darkness can overcome the light. You've heard me say before. <laughs> now, the simple truth is, is that darkness is not something that you create. Dark darkness is something that is there because you don't have light. It's the lack of light. Just like that you don't make coldness. Coldness, you can only measure heat. When you get to absolute zero, no movement, nothing whatsoever, you have absolute coldness. The same thing with light. You measure in lumens. You measure by how much light exists, not by how much darkness exists. The light overcomes the darkness. And, of course, in the midst of this, we have these verses here where he tells us that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We know that this is John the Baptist, of course. The same came for a witness. Keep this in mind. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. All men through the light might be able to say that they might be able to come to say that, yes, they believe with all of their hearts because they can see because their eyes have been opened in the darkness. He was not the light. Jesus was the light, not John. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John couldn't save anybody. John couldn't be that light, but John could bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And, of course, he goes on to explain to us that he, Jesus, came into his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, he says, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
that great verse, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm saying to you that the one truly indispensable thing in all the world is Jesus Christ. Nothing else would be here without Him. And what is here? Without Him, there would be no light. It would be lying in in total darkness because He is the light. We find that that light, we can't change people's lives, but we can be witness to that light. We can be testimony of that light that can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can do all that we possibly can. How many times have you met somebody that was in genuine need, somebody that was in genuine need, and and there was just that natural desire within that you wanted to do something to be able to help them. I shared the story with some that, you know, I've seen a lot of people. I've, I've seen people on the streets of Birmingham. I see people all the time that I know have genuine needs. And, of course, one of the frustrating things is that you don't have to meet them all. But I said that, again, for our, our trip in, in Kenya when we were there. And, you know, I saw people that, I mean, genuinely, it was obvious by looking at them that, well, they hadn't had much of that indispensable food in some time. I mean, their need was tremendous. And yet, you know, the simple truth is, is that I can remember there one day that we took a few of them and I just took them to a small place there to buy them some food. And the next thing I knew, I mean, there was a, there was a line of queue right down the street because there were so many that were coming just for that simple, small piece of cake and a, and, and a drink uh, that meant everything in the world to them. And, of course, the frustrating thing is that, wow, you know, the need is so great and I'm so limited in, in what that I'm able to do. How great would it be to be able to just to just really feed them all, to give them what would mean so very much to them? But, you know, we were out there to give them something that was even more indispensable than that food. We were standing on that corner with our loudspeakers, and we were preaching the gospel to them. We had people singing songs to them. We had people out there giving out tracts everywhere. And the simple truth is we were trying to give them something. I mean, it was great, and it was grand to be able to give them that meal they needed at the moment. But we were trying to give something away that was even more indispensable than that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see, Christ is that one thing, that one thing above all else in the world that is indispensable. That doesn't belittle that there aren't other things that are indispensable in certain areas of our life. But I'm saying without him, nothing else matters because the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ himself is indispensable to even having any hope in this life. You know, one of the things that I think that so many people, when they come to that point in life where they literally, absolutely see no hope. You know, as long as there's hope, things can get pretty hard. Things can get pretty tough. But we see some hope. We know that there's some way, somehow, we're going to get through this. Some way, somehow, it's going to be all right. So many times I've heard the stories, even of those that maybe were taken as 
prisoners of war and, 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 and kept in these dark dungeons, these prisons, and, and treated in God-awful ways. And the simple thing, it's phenomenal what some of those human beings have come through and what they've been able to withstand and what they've been able to do because they still had hope. They had hope that this was going to end one day. They had hope that there was one day that they were once again going to be set free. They were going to see their families again. There was hope that they hung on to. Look in your Bibles in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. A very simple statement. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Let's read verse 11 and 12. It says, Wherefore remember writing to the church at Ephesus, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Folks, there is no darker place than to be without God. There is no darker place, and yes, spiritually we know that there is no darker place than to be without God, to have no light. And so many times that's frustrating to us when we, when we go out and maybe we're trying to, to testify and we're trying to witness to people. They just don't seem to see it. They just don't get it. Problem is they're acting like lost people because that's what they are. The Bible says the flesh cannot understand these spiritual things. The Bible compares them to being blind, to, be, to being deaf. You see, Jesus Christ is the only thing I'm saying that without Jesus Christ, there's not even a ray of hope he is that which is indispensable to every human being that we meet. Yes, we need to meet those other needs, but I'm saying to you, lest we forget the one thing that is the most indispensable thing in anybody's life is to know Jesus Christ. He is the one that they must have because without Jesus Christ, there's not even a ray of hope and we can understand that a little bit as we look on into the Bible because not only is Christ indispensable to hope, but he's indispensable to holiness. And if you recognize that, uh, you know, when we're talking about a God, listen, God's demand is perfect holiness. God cannot entertain sin at all. You've heard me say many times that if it were the most moral person, the most upright person that has ever lived, that's ever walked the face of the earth, and they literally, I mean, they only had half a sin that they'd committed in their whole life when they almost thought something one time that was wrong. But if God let them into heaven, heaven would no longer exist for anybody. With sin comes death, the Bible says. There is no getting around that. The sin must be dealt with. Perfect holiness. Hebrews, great book when it comes to the work of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, notice what the Word of God says in verse 14. 
Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Fall of peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I mean, you know, I love word studies, but I don't have to go back to the Greek to understand that. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's simple. That's straight cut. I'm saying to you that Jesus Christ is the one true indispensable because without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Without Jesus Christ, there is no holiness, which the Bible says, without holiness, you will not see God. It is that simple. Now, if we are unholy and there's this necessity of holiness, the simple truth is, is that holiness that God requires, that perfect holiness, it can only be imputed to us by God through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Man has no hope. Without holiness, he can't even see God. But the only way that we're going to be able to be in the presence of God is to have that perfect holiness that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Hebrews also, just a couple of chapters back in chapter 9 and verse 22, that familiar, familiar verse, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is what? No remission. No remission. There is no remission, only the blood of the holy Son of God can bring forgiveness and salvation. We've been looking at these things. We've been looking, you know, the, the last few Sunday mornings in our stu study on the ordinances and the Lord's Supper and all these things that, you know, none of that, none of that can get a man any closer to being saved. It's the Christ that it symbolizes. That's what's going to do it. It's the blood, only his blood is capable of paying for the penalty of sins because it is the only holy blood that's ever been through the veins of flesh upon this planet earth. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, the Bible says. Oh, he faced all the temptation, but not once did he sin. The sinlessness of Christ you see, his sinlessness is indispensable because we don't have that sinlessness, not a one of us. His substitutionary shedding of his blood is completely indispensable because there is no other sacrifice that is sufficient for us. There is nothing else in all the world whereby one can be saved. We'll never see God without holiness, and we'll never have holiness without Jesus Christ, his holy, sinless life, his sinless sacrifice, the shedding of his sinless blood to cover our sins. As we look at the Bible, we think about that. You know, the simple truth is, is that, you know, we, we would automatically within ourselves try to begin to figure out, well, what have I got to do? have that well it's that simple thing called faith <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense 
You know, it's kind of what we were talking to Sherry about earlier. You know, I mean, this, this Muslim guy that she was confronted with on the street. And I mean, you know, somehow in his mind, it's all set there. That he's, he's got to give up his pork in order to be saved. You know, there's no way. I mean, she's an infidel because she eats pork. We know that in all of the things in his mindset, there's all these things that he has to do. It, it led us to talking and thinking about, you know, how can we understand these suicide bombers? I mean, somebody that would just strap themselves up with a load of explosives and, and go in and, and, and bang, hit that switch, knowing that they're going to be blowed up. Well, they're about the only Muslims that leave this world that they obviously have a confidence that they think that they're going to heaven because that's one sure thing that will get them there in their belief. Most of the rest of them have still got their doubts. They're hoping that they can weigh up good enough when they get there. They're trying to get through all the things they've got to do. You know, the tragedy of believing that if they give up their life, that that's going to be an automatic step into heaven. Simple truth is, is that they look and they, you know, they told, uh, they told Sherry, that guy told us that she's just trying to take the easy way out. <laughs> You're just trying to take the easy way out. Um, somehow, you know, it makes more sense that as, as, as a Muslim that they have to, to work harder in order to attain that. You just want to take the easy way out. Um, well, there is no other way. And I can understand why that it seems like the easy way to them because you're not doing something. You're believing that somebody else has done something for you. Faith in God. Faith in Christ. Faith in his holiness. Faith in the, the efficacy, the, the, the sufficiency of the shed blood of Jesus Christ to pay and take away your sins. That is indispensable, friend. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is, what's the next word in your Bible? impossible to please him. Well, that sounds like that's pretty indispensable then. If you want to please God in it without faith, just like without holiness, you'll never see God. Without faith, it is impossible, not hard, not difficult, impossible to please God. Well, I guess that one of those most quoted Bibles are most, yeah, most quoted Bible verses to, uh, to many of us because it's such a, a great verse. Of course, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, every other faith, religion out there, they're trying to do the good works to get to the faith. We're taking the faith to get to the good works. We're going the opposite way. They're, they're somehow looking of some way of reaching up to God, and we're believing that God has reached down to us through his Son. I'm saying that faith is indispensable to having Christ. He is our only hope. He is the only way that we ever have of having hope of even seeing 
God Almighty. The only way, for by grace are you saved through faith. You've heard me say, you know, it's a total, absolute, complete work of grace. I'm not a fatalist, but you can't take any credit for God's work of salvation. He's done it all, complete, in Him, in Jesus Christ. And there is only one road. There's only one path. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but, my, my, but by me. That sounds pretty exclusive. We find that the Bible says here in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. You see, that's the only way to get to God's grace. That's the only pathway, faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the finished work of Christ. I'm saying to you, friends, that's completely indispensable. Now, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, they might... Uh, accuse you of taking the uh, the easy way out so that you don't have to do anything and uh, thank God. Thank God it is done by Christ and not by us. But the simple truth is is that sometimes as we as we look into the scriptures we begin to think well you know surely we've got to do something. I mean James says in James chapter 2 and verse 20 he says but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? <laughs> Don't you know? Faith without works is dead? Well, preacher, I thought you just said that man, works has got nothing to do with it. It doesn't have anything to do with you getting there. But it's got everything to do with proving that you're on your way there. Amen. <laughs> you know, we can't work to get there. We can't work to build up our faith. This is one of the things that used to frustrate me. And there's still so many out there today that get so focused on the emotions and the feelings and trying to build this thing up and work this thing up with the feelings and the emotions. And the simple truth is, man, I like for my emotions to be messed with a bit sometimes. I like to be happy. I don't even mind if they call me one of those shouting Baptists sometimes because that joy just overflows, praise God. There ought to be something within us that's got to come out. But the truth is, you can work up your emotions all you want to. That'll never save you. People can have their emotions played on. They can be brought into a point to where they follow somebody in some prayer and do all these things, but that's not going to save anybody. For by grace are you saved through faith. Your faith is indispensable in getting to Christ. There is nothing else. And Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He's your only hope. He's the only one that can get you there. He's the only one that can put you in a position to even be able to see God. And, you know, here's something I want to leave with you this evening because this is interesting. See, the Bible, James is talking here about, uh, you know, that uh, this faith being dead. This faith, you know, again, if you, if you can't see it, what, what did he say there? That, that, oh, vain men, that faith without works is dead. Why? Because you can't work up your faith. But I'll tell you this, if you've got true faith, if your faith is truly in Him, if your heart is really there, there's going to be some works. <laughs> not to get you closer, not to get you to heaven. It's going to be a natural response of a Christ living within you. 
there's going to be. In other words, man, if there ain't no works, there's something wrong with the faith because the natural response of faith is that something is going to be accomplished. There's going to be some fruit. If you're really an orange tree, there's going to be some oranges on the branches. <laughs> there's no question about it. I've, I've, I've told you before, you know, I've, especially the years that I lived in Florida, I saw a lot of, of fruit orchards and and I mean, you know, you can, you can see these orange orchards that would just go for as, as far as the eye can see. And I mean, I've been out there and I've, and I've been on roads where you just drive for miles and miles and miles and you see nothing but orange trees and orange trees and more orange trees. But I never once, never once did I ever hear those orange trees out there. grunting and groaning and doing what they could to make that orange pop out. <laughs> the oranges were there as a natural response of being a healthy orange tree. And the simple truth is our works are going to be a natural response. Let's not get it turned around. But that faith that is indispensable, if it's there, it's going to be seen. And, you know, here's something that I, started towards and didn't get there in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we find that, uh, again, this is a verse that uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, you can quote most of the ones that I'm going to read here with, uh, without even looking at them, hopefully. Uh, and, of course, the, the first one is that, you know, if this faith is so indispensable, in Romans chapter 10 and in verse 17, it says, So then... Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Isn't that where we started? In the beginning was the what? The Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the simple truth is, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, that word logos, it takes in a, it takes in a lot of, I've, I've tried before. It's kind of, it's even hard to explain. It's not just the vocal sounds that come out. It's the whole process that goes back from that to that, which causes those vocal sounds to come that that goes back beyond that to the, even the thought process that began way back. There's a seat, everything that brought that about. You see, with God. It's all of him. He was in the beginning. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. May I say to you that this book, this book is indispensable. The word of God is indispensable. You can tell all the fairy tales in the world. You can tell all the emotional stories in the world. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. This is what the Holy Spirit will use for true conviction. This is what will save the soul. This is what will bring them there. You see, there's something else there in Romans chapter 10, and we need to pay close attention to this. Verse 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him 
of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm saying to the world around us this evening, your witness is indispensable. Jesus Christ chose to leave us here. You've heard me say it in all kinds of ways and all kinds of sermons, and I'm sorry I'm going to say it again tonight. You're not here for your own sake. You're not here for your own comfort. You're not here for your own good. You're here for the sake of Christ. You're here that his work might be accomplished. His Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you that his work might be accomplished. How in the world? Will anybody ever hear unless they hear it from you? You know, it's kind of hard to get this in your mind because, you know, the simple fact is God don't have to have you, but God has chosen to use you. God has chosen you to be his representative. Now, we find, you know, that if we look in the word of God, God's work's going to be done whether you're part of it or not. But I'm saying to you, folks, you're missing. You're missing the greatest purpose, the greatest cause that your life can have. I said it this morning, and I'm going to say it this evening. God help us if we in any way ever become a church that anything is more important to us than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that people know what it takes to truly be born again and that we stand upon those truths and that we proclaim those truths, but it's got to be proclaimed more than just inside these four walls around us. How are they going to hear unless somebody is sent to them? Oh, yes, we send missionaries all around the world. Thank God. i Again, I don't want to go to, I believe with all my heart that God has blessed us as he has because of your generosity to those missionaries to putting the cause of Christ above your own and above our own as a church. But let me tell you something, folks. That's not where it begins. That sign up over the door back there, you are now entering the mission field. Every human being, every one of them, Jesus Christ died for all this evening. There are a lot of things that we might consider indispensable. But what I'm trying to say, and, and yeah, you know, I, I know, I didn't, I, I didn't even take time. I did start it. I got my first two with H's. I didn't even literate it like I normally do and, and get all the letters in there because I'm just sharing my heart with you this evening. You know, you know God has, has just... I guess been dealing with my heart, it seems, over and over again about, you know, how can we be more effective? How can we see more people come to Christ? I know the world seems to be getting darker and darker and darker around us, but praise God, we've got the light. This is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we can take that light to them. You know, let us not just become like so much of Christendom has. Be happy with our little group and our little pile and our little thing that we do. May our burden grow. May we recognize 
Man, all we have to do is open our eyes and look around, and there are a lot of things that we might consider to be indispensable, but none of them more indispensable than Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to come to Christ, that's their only pathway to God, that's their only hope in this life, is through Jesus Christ. And their only pathway to Him is through faith. And the only way that they can have that faith is through His Word. And folks, that's why he's left us here. That's why his word's been preserved. That's why we're here now, because you'd be better off, I'd be better off, the whole world would be better off if we were in heaven. <laughs> but we're here, and there's a purpose for you. You are important to God. And in fact, you know, the simple truth is you might be the indispensable piece and somebody coming to Christ. It might be the person that you're standing beside at the bus stop tomorrow. It might be the person that you're working beside on the job. It might be the person that you're sitting next to at school. It might be the person across the aisle from you at the supermarket or across the pump from you at the petrol station. You may be that thing that is more indispensable than anything in their life to get them the one thing that can get them to faith they can get them to Christ. They can get them to life. There are a lot of things that are indispensable. Oh, but let us, let us focus our hearts and our lives upon giving people the most indispensable present gift in the whole world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, as we look at this very familiar passage and we're reminded of what Christ did for us, but we're reminded, Lord, that he is the hope of the world. He is the light of the world. Lord, I pray this evening that you'll help each and every one that is here this evening, that as believers, oh, just to re be reminded of how awesome a gift that we've been given because, Lord, every one of us, we were at one time those that were alienated, those that had no relationship with God, but because of Jesus Christ, Lord, we've been brought into your family. Help us to recognize what an awesome, awesome gift that that is for us. But Lord, help us to recognize that that gift that was given to us one day, that is the most indispensable thing in all the world to pass on to others. Lord, you've given us a precious, precious, precious gift. Lord, we recognize that the Bible tells us that, Lord, that... If they don't hear it, how are they going to believe? If nobody takes it to them, how are they going to hear it? Father, this evening, encourage us in what we have, but challenge us afresh that even this week, that our lives may count for more. That, Lord, that we might be able to pass on that most indispensable piece of news that they've ever received in their lives the good news of Jesus Christ. We give you the praise and thanks for it. Amen. I want to read one of the passages know, that uh, I had in my uh, notes up there, but I got away from them a long time ago anyway. But, you know, I think, again, this is pretty uh, almost mind-boggling when you really look at what the Lord says here. Of course, uh, meeting with... Uh, with the apostles before that uh, he left this world. And in Luke uh, chapter 24, 
said in verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Everything, everything that that book held about me, it's got to be done. Then the Bible says, opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And when he opened that understanding and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. This is why it's all written there. This is why Jesus Christ suffered like he suffered. Listen, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Jesus Christ, God laid the plan. God had it all written down. Jesus Christ came. He did his part. He died upon the cross. He paid the blood sacrifice. He rose again the third day, verse 47, and the sentence doesn't stop. It's all one sentence in your Bible. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, I'm not trying to put you on a level with Jesus Christ and what he accomplished, but listen to me. It doesn't matter what Jesus Christ accomplished if a person doesn't know about it. They have to know it. They have to hear it in order to believe it. All in the same thought. This is why. This is why God planned it and Jesus accomplished it and you've been left here to pass it on to every human being. It doesn't matter that the most awesome thing in all of history took place there at Calvary. It doesn't matter that on that third day when they went and found that empty tomb, that that was the greatest news in all of history, that yes, that sacrifice had been sufficient. It had been accepted by God. He had overcome death, praise God. It doesn't matter if the person doesn't hear it. And that's part of God's plan too, that we take that gospel to every living creature. Oh, that we might do that. You know, there is no greater joy. Pastor Steve, you know, I guess there's, there's a lot of things in life that will make me smile, and I, I enjoy life generally, a lot of the things. I mean, you know, yeah, I feel some of the stresses and pressures sometimes too, but I can honestly say, you know, one of the things that happens in life that, boy, I would find probably impossible to put into words, and that's the privilege of taking God's Word Showing somebody how they can become a child of God. Seeing them pray that simple prayer. You know, some of the greatest prayers I've ever heard are some of the simplest prayers that I've ever heard. What a privilege to see that work take place, knowing that, hey, it's not me that did it. But boy, what a privilege to be able to have that opportunity to share the greatest news in all the world with them. I'm saying... Wow. You want to be a happy Christian? Be a serving Christian. Be a witnessing Christian. Let God use your life to show Christ to the world around us. We're going to sing for our closing song, uh, one that uh, I like a lot. I hope that we can sing it as a prayer this evening and as we can mean it. Before we sing this song, I want to say, as I always try to say from this pulpit, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've got questions, you want to be saved, you want to understand something more, you come to see me or one of these others following this service because there is nothing more important to us 
being able to take God's word and show you how you can know that you're a child of God, that you're a Christian. We're here for you. And Christians, we're all here for each other. That's what the body's all about. We're here to encourage one another. I'm here for you, and hopefully you're here for me. And together as one body working together, it's Christ that they'll see and not us. This song that we're going to sing for our, our closing hymn is really a request. It says, set my soul afire, Lord.